Welcome to the Outlaw Radio Show. My name is Zach Adams, and I pastor a church located just outside of Athens, Georgia. The name of the church is Calvary 316. If you're local, we're off of Highway 316. Pretty easy to find. Our church website is uh, calvary316.com. Our Sunday service is at 1030. It is the Christmas season. If you don't have a home church, don't have a place that you're plugged into, please come and be my guest uh, one Sunday morning. Would love for you uh, to be with us. Regardless of where you're listening, um, I hope you do stay with me over the next hour as we seek to deconstruct the negative perceptions of Christians by boldly and brashly discussing today's relevant topics in an honest and a genuine way. Uh, One of the most important uh, components to the Outlaw Radio Show is our desire to connect with you, the listening audience. Um, One of the difficulties with radio or podcasting is just the inability to have any idea who you're talking to. Uh, I pastor Calvary 316. Uh, This is a much different experience than being behind the pulpit on Sunday morning. (laughs) I can see faces. I know who I'm speaking to. Um, There's a connectedness to that, Um, a bit of synergy that plays off of that. Uh, I'm literally looking at an empty chair across my desk. Beyond that is a refrigerator. I have no idea who's listening especially if you don't let me know that you are listening. And so I really would would love for you, just do me a favor, reach out to us, let me know you're listening, let me know where you're from, let me know uh, a little bit about yourself. There's several ways that you can can reach out. Uh, The easiest is an email address. Our email address is connected to the website. The website is outlawradio.org. The email address is info at outlawradio.org. If you're into Facebook, go to facebook.com slash the radio outlaw. Like us, follow us. Uh, if you're into Twitter, our handle is at radio underscore outlaw. All these ways uh, makes it very easy for you to get in touch with me. Uh, let me know you're listening. If you have any questions, you can submit those questions. Uh, we've actually done some episodes completely based upon listeners' questions. And um, and that's a wonderful a component to our show that that is 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 really a blessing. I have had transitioning here quite a week. <laughs> I don't know what your week was like, but my week uh, was something else. It was an it was an awesome week. It was a, a blessed week. Um, it, nothing bad happened, but but I think um, my wife would definitely agree that it was an unexpected week. My little girl, soon on the way, uh, we've been expecting, if you've been listening to the show for any length of time, I've, I've mentioned the fact that Jessica is pregnant and uh, that we're expecting. Um, this past Sunday night, um, my wife and I, we put the boys down to bed. It's been a kind of a crazy weekend. Uh, Jessica had uh, the ladies at the church through her uh, a wedding shower, uh, which was such a blessing. Uh, they did it at the church. A bunch of ladies came out. Really, really just blessed my wife's socks off. Um, Sunday, we had church. We had our, our a potluck. We had our gumbo potluck. A uh, guy in the church makes just this killer gumbo. He's from uh, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and just it's 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 killer. It's just fantastic gumbo. So we had a we had church service. We had a, a potluck. My wife then had to rush home uh, because some of the ladies in the neighborhood were, were also throwing her... Um, uh, a, a baby shower. So it was just, it's been kind of this crazy, crazy weekend. We finally uh, get the boys down for bed. Uh, we, we, we crawl into bed, exhale, watching some television, 
It's about 10 o'clock. And Jessica rolls over and she looks at me with this look that I've never seen before. Um, I said, are you okay? She said, I think my water broke. So she gets up and <laughs> sure enough, I'm not a doctor. Uh, don't play one on television, but it was pretty clear uh, that something had, had happened. So I immediately calm her down and say, honey, why don't you go ahead and take a shower? Let me call the doctor. Called the doctor. Doc's like, go ahead and bring her in. We're three weeks early. This was not expected at all. As a matter of fact, that, that night we had just been talking about what things we needed to get put together in anticipation um, you know, of going into labor. Um, who was going to come over and stay with our boys? Quincy uh, is six, Theodore's three. Uh, we weren't going to take them to the hospital. So talking about, you know, who would come over, uh, would we arrange this with my mom in advance? We had even talked about the possibilities of inducing, you know, actually scheduling this. Um, we hadn't bought a car seat yet. Just wanted to get through the baby showers before we went out and bought a car seat, had no go bag, no clothes put together. So I called the doctor and he's like, yeah, you need to bring her in. This is happening. So I'm immediately, I, I get off the phone, we're throwing clothes into a bag, Jess is taking a shower, I'm calling some neighborhood friends to have them come over to stay with the boys. Uh, we, load, we end up getting to the hospital about 11.30 at night. This is Sunday night. And um, <laughs> we're standing there filling out all the paperwork. Uh, we had had a doctor's appointment that Thursday. Not everything had, had gotten there. Um, so it's, it was just this mad scramble. They finally get Jess checked into a room. Uh, they confirm, indeed, her water had broken. This is going to happen in the next 24 hours. Uh, but they kind of encouraged us to go ahead and hunker down, that the doctor wanted to allow as much of this to happen organically, naturally as possible. And so Jess was having some contractions. They were frequent, but very spread out. And so we were in the waiting game. <laughs> Completely caught flat-footed. Uh, not in my wildest imaginations would I have imagined that being um, the start to our week. About 4 a.m., 4.30, Jess has an epidural. Uh, it alleviated her pain. The problem is that the contractions went from being regular to now being irregular. Uh, they were spread out. They weren't happening as frequently. Um, our little girl started this by breaking the water and then just decided to kind of retreat as far up as she could. Uh, wasn't wanting to come. And so we were in again in this waiting game. She has the epidural. About 12.30, Monday, a little bit after lunch, the doctor finally gets to us. He comes in, goes through his checklist, um, confirms everything we already knew, uh, but told us, don't worry, you're going to have this baby. Uh, sometime this evening, we're going to go ahead and do some things to kind of uh, speed up the process. Um, since she's not wanting to come and the contractions have gotten irregular, we're going to uh, employ some techniques to uh, uh, speed this up, enhance this labor. Said, so don't worry about it. You already had your epidural. You won't feel much. Um, all good. Hunker down. I'll call at 3 o'clock just to touch base, and, um, and we'll go from there. Okay. Thanks, Doc. That's great. Awesome. I, I even could leave at that point. Nothing's going to happen at this this juncture. Go get a sandwich. Come back. We're settling in. It's about 1.40. And I'm looking. This is my third uh, child. Um, I'm looking at the contraction monitor. And Jess at this point is kind of complaining about some, some pain, some pressure. Um, she has an epidural, so that's normally not a good thing. 
Uh, she's not supposed to be feeling anything. So the fact that she's feeling something means that you know maybe something's happening here. And I, I look over at the contraction monitor, and sure enough, I mean, it's like waves, pronounced, defined waves. It's very, about two minutes. They're tight. <laughs> Again, I'm not a doctor, but this is my third child. And so I'm thinking... I think we're having a baby. <laughs> so I go and get a nurse. I go get a nurse. Say, ma'am, you, you should really come. I know we're kind of waiting for the doctor to call at three, uh, but you should really come and check on Jessica. So the nurse came in. It's about 1.50. She immediately grabs the telephone, calls the doctor, and says, Doc, you've got 10 minutes to get here. This baby is coming now. And for about the next 10 minutes, um, it wasn't Jessica pushing. It was they were doing everything that they could to help Jessica keep this child in. That's how far along we were. Just very quick. This happened unexpectedly. This child was coming <laughs> unexpectedly. Sure enough, the doctor got there at 2 o'clock. No exaggeration, 2 o'clock. And our little girl was born at 2.04 six pounds, 14 ounces. Her name is Mabel Ann Grace Adams. I'll get to the meaning of that in a second. Um, baby, healthy as can be. Jessica, a champ, one push, that baby came out. God was good. Healthy, Jess is healthy, baby's healthy. Uh, normal procedures, checkups. Uh, Monday night, uh, the boys are now with my, my parents um, it dawns on me Monday night. I don't have any clothes for myself. I didn't pack any deodorant, no toothbrush, toothpaste. So finally I, I told Jess once everything got settled in, I said, I'm going to run home, take a shower. She said, I don't blame you. Um, we ended up being discharged, sent home, um, was a blessing Wednesday afternoon. And so we have settled into life with a newborn. Um, I, I say all this, not just to kind of uh, articulate uh, a bit of what the Lord's been doing in my life, uh, but I, I have encouraged you guys, the listening audience, over the last few months uh, to keep Jessica in prayer, to keep our, our, our little one in prayer. Uh, this has been a rough pregnancy, but the Lord really graced us with a very smooth um, labor. Um, there was not a lot of labor to it. Um, again, mentioning that we were caught flat-footed, uh, we had to order a car seat, uh, have it uh, delivered to the local Target, had a friend pick it up just so we could we could go home. <laughs> it's been crazy, and since the church is taking care of us, it's it's been awesome. Uh, the meals and the blessings and the the well wishes uh, have been overwhelming. Um, I say that because I know a, lo a lot of the church uh, listens to this radio show, and so I just want to say, on behalf of Jess and I, Calvary 316, uh, we could not have been blessed with a better church family, and we thank you. Um, God's been good. Uh, the, the, the name, Mabel Ann Grace Adams. Uh, we were dead set for a while on Mabel Grace Adams. Grace, the meaning, self-explanatory. Um, if you listen to this show, you realize that, that, that God's grace is a big thing for me. Um, wanting a name to have significance. Grace was kind of a, a non-negotiable. That was really our starting point. So we had Grace Adams. 
Uh, but we were looking for a first name. And then we kind of settled on on Mabel. I'll get to that in a second. Um, the name Anne, A-N-N, is a family name. My sister's middle name is Anne. My mom's middle name is Anne. My grandmother, my great-grandmother. Uh, Anne, it's a family name. Uh, I've got on the Adams side, even, uh, uh, a, a, a great aunt whose name was Anne. Um, it runs through our family. Now, you would have thought that my sister, when she had the first grandchild, right? The granddaughter, first granddaughter, Katie, you would have thought that, that, that Natalie would have named uh, her daughter, Katie, Katie Ann, you know, kept the family name, kept it. She didn't. Uh, her second daughter didn't. My brother had a daughter, didn't. So we were kind of at this juncture. Um, not sure if my youngest brother's going to have any kids. Uh, my other siblings are done. Uh, this will probably be our last. Thinking this is this could be the last chance to get Anne in the family, right? So we've got to do this. Anne means grace. Mabel means lovable. And so I named my daughter a lovable grace upon grace, an abounding grace. And uh, is there any better thing than the abounding grace of God, that, 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 that grace that comes into our lives wave after wave after wave, a grace that is, that is as consistent, right, as waves in the Atlantic, the Pacific, the ocean waves, one after another, coming in like clockwork, the grace of God. How amazing is the grace of God? And so I named my little girl, Mabel Ann Grace Adams. And I just thank you so much, all of you that have been praying for us, the well wishes. Um, as we seek to wrap up this particular block, um, and we segue to, to block number two, uh, I, I mention all of this, not just to say thank you for your prayers, uh, but having a little girl, so I have two boys and this is my little girl, has kind of placed me in this kind of existential thought process um, about being a dad, about being a father. And so I want to take some time in our next block to talk a little bit more about that. Don't go anywhere. Uh, we'll be right back. You're listening to the Outlaw Radio Show. Hi, my name is David Guzik and I'm a friend of Zach and the entire team at Outlaw Radio. One of the things I like most about Outlaw Radio is Zach's desire to challenge Christians to think critically, ask relevant questions, and then pursue answers on their own. The sad reality is too many Christians don't know what they believe, yet alone why they believe what they do. This is why, in addition to Outlaw Radio tackling the tough topics you might not hear at church on Sundays, their desire is to equip inspire and challenge you to dig into God's Word and wrestle with these complex topics on your own. To help you in this process, Zach wanted me to let you all know of two free resources essential for any serious Bible student. Aside from my full Bible commentary available at EnduringWord.com, the resources you can access at BlueLetterBible.org will truly transform the way you study the Bible. Aside from their treasure trove of free commentaries, blueletterbible.org also has an incredible word search function, making it easy to dive into the original languages behind a biblical text. So if you want to dig deeper into your study of scripture, check out EnduringWord.com as well as blueletterbible.org. Welcome back to the Outlaw Radio Show. I want to encourage you to check out our website, 
Our website is outlawradio.org. And one of the main reasons is that it is the easiest, quickest way uh, to find our podcast. Uh, Every episode of the Outlaw Radio Show is podcasted. Um, As a matter of fact, the podcast gets the episode before the radio. Uh, We're on networks across America. God has blessed us with that. But we take every episode, we produce it down and we podcast it. So if you're listening on the radio, we we understand you might not be in your car for all 52 minutes. Uh, You might only catch a snippet uh, of the show, and you're wanting to hear it in its entirety. And so uh, if you go to uh, outlawradio.org, there's quick links that allow you easy access to the podcast. If you're an iPhone user, if you're an Apple uh, geek like I am, um, you can go to the, the podcast. You can just search Zach Adams. You'll find it. Go to the website. Easy, quick link to iTunes. Download the podcast. Instead of you going and finding uh, the audio, if you subscribe, the audio comes to you. We also are on Android platforms, Google Play, lots of different ways that you can find the show. Subscribe to the podcast. Uh, and on the last block, I just wanted to bring the audience, you guys, uh, up to speed um, about some important happenings. Um <laughs> in the Adams household, in my life. Uh, And that is the fact that uh, really about a month early, three weeks to be exact, um, Mabel was born. Uh, I've mentioned that Jessica's pregnant, has been pregnant, um, been kind of a rough pregnancy, but the labor was smooth. Man, God blessed. We were flat-footed, had no idea it was coming. Uh, Not in our wildest imaginations would we have thought she would have come as early as she did, but she was born six pounds, 14 ounces, very healthy. We're home. We're settled in. But I'll tell you, that Monday, so she was born at 2.04. That night, uh, Jess is going to catch some sleep. Uh, Mabel's in the room sleeping. She's been sleeping wonderfully. Um, I had not packed any clothes for myself. So Jess told me, hey, go home. Go shower. The boys are with your, your parents. No big deal. They'll come meet their little sister tomorrow. Go shower. Get yourself something to eat. And, uh, and then come back to the hospital, uh, and we'll hunker down for the evening. And so, uh, I, I went home, I showered, got some clothes together. Uh, it was great. I needed it. And, uh, and so I'm on the way back to the hospital thinking to myself, uh, Jess doesn't want me to bring food up into the room because she's stuck with hospital food and she doesn't want to smell good food. And so I'm like weighing my options. It's about like 830 at night. Do I swing by Mickey D's or a Chick-fil-A? Uh, I got to sit in the parking lot and eat anyway. Uh, it was rainy and cold. Not a lot of people out on the roads. I decided that I needed a moment to decompress. So I went to Longhorn, uh, figured that if I put in my order right when I sat down, um, it wouldn't take me very long and I could get to the hospital about, a, I was there about 40 minutes. So, um, I didn't take a, a lot of time, but just wanted a hearty meal, good steak, potato. <laughs> I needed it because I have a daughter uh, and you got to understand that's, that's, it is a dream come true, but has kind of created this, this entirely new thought process for me. Um, I have two little boys, Quincy and Theodore. I can relate to them very easily. It's called just wrestling. Um, we don't, I don't cuddle with my boys. Uh, they jump into bed and we don't snuggle. We wrestle. <laughs> and we have fun doing it. And we play sports and we watch TV together and we talk Star Wars. And like, I, 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 I don't want to brag, but I feel like I've kind of, I, I, like I understand little boys. And, and I kind of understand at this point um, my role, my role in the life of Quincy and Theodore is, is to prepare them to be men. 
It's to prepare them for the world. I, I My job is not to protect them from the world. It's to prepare them to engage the fight, the struggle. I want to prepare them to be fathers. I'm not raising boys. I'm, I'm, I'm raising husbands and fathers. I, I've got to teach them how to be providers, how to write a check, manage a bank account, change the oil in their car, mow the yard. Like I'm preparing them to leave me. I'm preparing them to engage in this, this, this world to survive and not just survive, but thrive. I'm also teaching them to, to be followers of Jesus, trying to teach them how to be men of God, how to have character, how to make decisions. I'm preparing my sons. And, and in all honesty, what's interesting about that father-son dynamic is it's one of the, the only human like parent child like it's a dynamic that doesn't change my context my relationship with my boys will never change Um, i will always be their dad and i will always be preparing them for life when i'm faced with a challenge in my own existence in my own life when i when i'm faced with decisions that i have to make i go back to the, the the rock that's always provided me counsel and that's my dad My dad will always be my dad. The parameters of our relationship never change. Even when I move out of his house, trust me, he's more than willing to give me advice on how to engage life, whether it's asked for or not. You know, I actually think, not to go off on a side tangent, I think that's why God uh, decided to reveal himself and and the, the interconnectedness of the triune nature of God by using the father son dynamic. That, that unchanging, unwavering nature of the father-son relationship is, is the relationship between God the Father and Jesus the Son. It, it never changes. Do you, do you know, actually, that the very first time the law first mentioned, the very first time the word love is communicated um, in the Bible, you, you would think maybe, oh, well, it's the husband-wife. No, no. If, if you actually go back and you look, no, the husband and wife, the very first mention of love is in Genesis chapter 22, and it's placed within the context of Abraham's love for his only son, Isaac. Love, this unchanging, you know, the, the love that a husband has with, a, with his wife, it changes all the time, but it's not based on, on that reality. It's, it's, it's actually founded in a decision of the will. It's a decision one makes. It's a covenantial love. Father's son is much different. It's not a decision of the will. It's natural. I didn't, when my sons were born, I didn't have to like really determine to love them. No, as a matter of fact, it was the strangest thing. Both with Quincy and Theodore, they were born and that very moment that I held them in my arms, I would have died for either of them. I still will. Still would. It's a weird thing. It's a natural connection. They're my sons. They'll carry my name. They're my my legacy, for better or for worse. So with my sons, my job is to prepare them for life, to prepare them for the world. But man, when you have a daughter, it it's weird. Because it's almost like, the best way I can frame it is that while with my sons, I, I want to prepare them for the world, with my daughter, my role is to protect her from the world. Like, my job is to be daddy. 
I won't wrestle with my daughter. I will nurture her. I will care for her. I will love her. I will, I will be a doting dad. My job is to ensure her safety, her emotional safety, her physical safety, her spiritual safety. And, and, that, and that, from the dads that I've talked to, is just this terrible curse. Because there's this process where there's some things you can't end up protecting her from. And, and you feel hopeless, helpless, that it's difficult. But I will say that, that the one component to being a dad, as I'm sitting there eating the steak, getting back to the steak and potatoes, the thought hit me, and, and this was sobering, that... As Mabel's father, it's my job to be the man that I want her to be attracted to and marry. You know, sociologists, there is this weird thing where women, not always, but just generally speaking, they marry their fathers. My brother-in-law, Jonathan, I'm not kidding. Jonathan is my father. Like it's the tribute. My sister married my dad. That the, the the sociological, the psychological influence of a dad with a daughter is that because of this connection, you're the most significant male in her life, meaning that you then kind of determine what masculine traits, what personality traits she's going to find attracted to. Daughters automatically love their fathers. And because their fathers are what they love, that's then the type of man they're going to love. And that hit me like a ton of bricks. Like, I have to be the type of man I want my daughter to marry. I, I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't have those thoughts when it came to my, my sons. I mean, maybe I should have thought through that. I know I have an influence and, and whatnot, but... But like, I don't want my daughter to be attracted to a lazy man. I want her to be attracted to somebody that's hardworking. So what does that mean? That means that, that I need to be hardworking and not lazy to emulate that in her life. So that's what she finds attractive. I need to make sure that I love Mabel's mother. Jessica selflessly why so that that's what she longs for a husband that will treat her the way that I've treated her mother like I, I if I'm male chauvinistic that's what she'll be attract that's what she'll find attractive in a, in a man what a responsibility I'm, I'm running against a hard break. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back here with the Outlaw Radio Show. Hey, thanks for listening to the Outlaw Radio Show with Zach Adams. Uh, this episode is especially a blessing. I've got two daughters, and these are some very good reminders of the example I'm setting for them and their future husbands. Stick with us. Pastor Zach will have more on the Outlaw Radio Show. I hope those of you uh, fathers that are listening today are being blessed. Pastor Zach's talking about what it means to be the father of a daughter. Here's Zach with more. 
Welcome back to the Outlaw Radio Show. My name is Zach. So glad that you're joining me, that you're listening. I'm talking about kind of the existential uh, realities that I've been grappling with having a little girl. Um, Quincy will be seven Christmas Eve. Theodore will be four February 3rd. I've been doing the father of little boys routine for a few years now. But now I have a daughter that has just been born. And I love her with all my heart. It's it's weird. It's the the daddy daughter love thing. It's weird. It's strange. Um the passion of it. I I didn't feel the way that I do for Mabel with the other boys. That's not to say that I don't love them as much. It's just to say that it's a different type of love. And, and I'm so glad that I, I, I'm having the opportunity to experience this. I, 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 for years, have, have seen Jessica and the different type of a relationship she has with Quincy and Theodore. It's different than me. She's their mother. For me, I've been in, in a dynamic where I've wanted to experience what she has just in the inverse. I, I mentioned in the last block that, that the, the father-son dynamic never changes. My relationship with my boys will never change, ever. I will always be their dad. That love, the context, the parameters for that love will, will always remain the same, whether they're living in my house or they're not. Whether they're living in my house, they've gone to college, they've married, they have their own kids, like I'm still their dad. Even at some point way in the future, when I probably am, am, am living in their basement, I'm still their dad. Like that never changes, which is why God established this anthropomorphic presentation of himself using father and sons, Abraham, Isaac, first mention of love, Genesis 22. The difference of it is, is mothers and sons, their role doesn't always remain the same. And in, in, in regards to a father and a daughter. My relationship with Mabel won't always be the same. I will love her with all of my heart forever. But the truth is that I'm going to probably work myself out of a job. Like I am the most significant male in her life. God ordained it that way. I will establish, as we were talking about in the, in the previous block, what she finds attractive in men. I will also establish what she finds to be repulsive in men if I'm repulsive. The responsibility of a male in the life of a daughter is radical. Dads, you can do a lot of damage in the life of your little girl if you don't take this responsibility seriously. You set the context for the man that she'll find attractive, the men she'll find attractive. That weight's been heavy on me. I've been chewing on that, thinking through that. I am the most significant male in her life. And I will be that way until the day comes. I dread it already. You know, dads, where I'm going. Because there will be a day that I will walk her down an aisle to a man that I, I hope is similar to me. I hope he's better than I am. But I will walk her down the aisle to a man. And what will I do? who was officiating the, the the wedding will will say who gives her Mabel to be married to whoever that dude is and I will I will say what I will say her mother and I I will I will take her hand one day and I will place her hand 
into the hand of another man. Now, no doubt, I will turn and I will, I will give my daughter Mabel a kiss on the cheek. I will reiterate to her how much I love her, how much I care for her. I will absolutely turn to that man and I will tell him that if he messes with my daughter, I'll kill him. <laughs> I'm somewhat kidding. You know what I mean? But in that moment, I, I, will, I will place her hand into his. I will give my little girl away. And I will walk and I will sit down on the front row next to her mother, Jessica. And it's in that moment, they're going to share vows, Mabel and her future husband. They will make commitments. They will become husband and wife. They will become one. And in that moment, I am no longer the most significant male in Mabel's life. Her husband is. My entire context changes. Now, my love doesn't change. But I'm not her protector anymore. He, He is. Like, which, which means that like my job between now and that day, setting the precedent of the type of man that she's going to find attractive and hopefully marry, that's what makes this all so significant and important. <laughs> I videotaped the delivery. And I've done this with the other kids, but this was the first time, kind of a pro move, honestly, just to toot my own horn, uh, that I was able to videotape myself cutting the umbilical cord. I cut the cord with with the other the other two, Quincy and Theo. But this was the first time I was able to actually capture that moment on video. I couldn't ask Jessica to do it; she was busy. But I was able to film it and get it done. And and I I joked with Jess that I'm gonna I'm gonna actually play that video uh, at Mabel's wedding because I will have had to cut the cord twice, once with her mom, and then when I had to cut her credit card because she's getting married. I'm telling Jess, as I'm holding little Mabel, about the existential moment with my steak and potatoes. What dawns on me. Wow, I've got to be the type of man I want my daughter to marry. And that man, that's a challenge. And you know what Jessica said to me? You would have expected something like, honey... You're a good man. You just keep doing what you're doing. Just keep it up. (laughs) That's what I wanted to... You know what she said to me? Well, you're going to have to man up. (laughs) Oh, boy. And I looked at her and I said, well, thank you for the loving, gentle, tender words. But you know what? She's right. You know, it's so easy to fall into a complacency in life. A complacency in your walk with the Lord. a, A moral complacency. But I do need to become a better man. Because now my, my daughter depends on it. Fatherhood. It's a significant thing. It's an important thing. You know, I think tying a lot of this into our culture, I think fatherlessness explains so many of the social problems we're presently facing. Fatherlessness attributes to poverty 
the ramifications we're reaping as a society. Little boys need men. They will gravitate towards leaders. And when the dad is not in the home, little boys will find other men to follow. Little girls need the affection of men, of a dad. And when the dad is not there, what what results? She looks for that attention, that love, that affirmation, that acceptance elsewhere. Like we have an epidemic in our society of dads that are not in the home. I'm not going to throw out the stats because I don't know them off the top of my head, but they're astounding. Just Google it. Do it on your own. Do your own research. If you're listening to this, if you are a dad married to the mother of your children, the best thing you can do for your children is to stay there and love their mother. Your big response, you've brought children into the world and you're responsible for them. Don't be selfish. Don't run out when the going gets hard. Don't think that child support is the is the is the most you're obligated to do. Au contraire. You need to be there. And I will say if 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 you're divorced and you're struggling with this context, do whatever you have to do, dad, to be involved in the lives of your children. Yes, maybe the marriage, that ship has sailed. But you're still dad. And don't forget that. I saw a movie that I want to talk about when we come back that I think perfectly illustrates this. It's called The Grinch. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. One of the missions of Outlaw Radio is to bring your attention to ministry resources that will benefit your personal study of the Bible and spiritual growth. With this in mind, we want you to check out Ravi Zacharias International Ministries. Not only is their vision to help the thinker believe, but they exist to help the believer think. To accomplish both of these aims, their website, rzim.org, is filled with tons of free resources aimed at not only answering your own difficult questions, but with the intention of providing the necessary tools to defend your faith in an ever-growing hostile world. Once again, you can learn more about Ravi Zacharias International Ministries by visiting rzim.org. That's rzim.org. Welcome back to the Outlaw Radio Show. I'm, I'm sharing a little of my, my experience recently. I am now the dad of not just two boys, but a little girl. Mabel Ann Grace Adams uh, was born November 12th, uh, Monday at 2.04 p.m. And she, the moment she was born, had me wrapped around her little finger. But I've been dealing with, you know, just this difference. It's a different type of love. You know, my job as, as a dad of boys is to prepare them for the world for life in the world. But there's a big aspect of, of my now relate uh, responsibilities as a dad of a daughter to protect her. But then also like, I've got to be the type of man that she'll find attractive that she'll ultimately marry. It's a, it's a, it's a weighty responsibility. It's powerful, profound. I'm, <laughs> I'm dealing with it, but this is kind of segued into the importance of being a dad of being involved you know, our society 
is struggling with fatherlessness and no one wants to talk about it. Like in this progressive society, we, we are celebrating single motherhood. Now, I, if you're a single mom, this is not, this is not to, to discourage you at all. I, as a matter of fact, I think I'm going to reinforce something that you're already very aware of. And that is the fact that God designed a healthy home to have a father and a mother working together, loving each other and working together. That children need both the feminine and the masculine in their lives. I love the, the title for God, the El Shaddai a name in the Hebrew, El, meaning the masculine strength, the Shaddai being literally uh, the tenderness of a mom. That In God, we have both uh, this masculinity and a, and a feminine trait. We have the nurturing and the strength. And kids to grow up in, in a healthy component, they need both. They need the strength of a father, the masculinity of a dad, and they need the tenderness of their mother. They need dad to lower the boom from time to time, but they need mom to demonstrate that grace and that love, and then vice versa, depending on the gender. This could be its own series of episodes. But but where I want to go is that culturally speaking, uh, we're not talking about the importance of dads in the lives of children. It's, it's, it's one of the biggest contributors of poverty. It's one of the biggest contributors of, of children joining gangs, of struggling in school, we need men to step up, not just men, but we need dads to step up in the lives of their children. You need to step up in the lives of your children. And I'm, and I'm preaching to the choir. I need to as well. Best thing you can do is love their mother. Stay married. Create a stable home. Today we went, we took the boys. They've been struggling a little bit with the attention their little sister's getting. So my mom came over to watch Mabel and we took the boys to go see The Grinch. Uh, this new movie that's come out um, um, based on Dr. Seuss's 1957 classic, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. You're probably familiar with the story. I found the movie to be absolutely, A, fantastic. It's very well done. The guys that did Despicable Me uh, did it. They know how to do a kid's story. Uh, the animation is beautiful. Uh, the storyline is very well crafted. The music, eh, the music's kind of so-so. I, I, that's the one component that maybe they could have tightened up. But the, the movie's spectacular. Um, but I got home and I told Jessica that I am absolutely shocked they let them make this movie because of the overarching uh, idea this, that's being presented. Now, on a side, some of the music are classic Christmas carols that that declare Christmas being a holiday of Jesus's birth, Savior of the world, like like deck the halls, God yes, God uh, rest ye merry gentlemen, um, amazing Christmas carols. Uh, they didn't. This wasn't a holiday movie. This was a Christmas movie. They were celebrating Christmas, not the winter solstice. Like it was, it was openly blatantly anti-pc in that regard but the message of the movie so you're familiar with the general tale of the grinch you know he hates christmas and he wants to steal christmas for those that live in in whoseville but one of kind of the new wrinkles that they added into this adaptation of this this story is that the six-year-old little girl cindy lou who her mother, Donna, you get introduced to. I think she's a, uh, a nurse. She works the night shift. And she has three kids at home. 
You see her running to catch the bus. She catches the bus. She gets onto the bus. She immediately falls to sleep. She gets home. And, and she gets home to, to three kids running around. Six-year-old Cindy Lou. But then you also have twin boys who are just a handful. And she's hectic, making breakfast. And you can tell that, that she's frazzled. And, and, and Cindy Lou is wanting to send a letter to Santa Claus. And you come to find out that, that in the letter, she is wanting her mom to have help. It's clear there's no father in the home. There's no dad. There's no male presence in, 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 in the home. Donna is a single mother struggling. And, and there's even a point where, where Cindy Lou talks about this, how she works all night and then she spends the day taking care of them. And that her letter, her wish, what she wants for Christmas, she actually tells the Grinch, is for her mother to have help. Now, that's amazing in and of itself. Donna, Cindy Lou's mom, is not, is not presented in this really superficial, stereotypical, superwoman, single mom. I've got it all under control. As a matter of fact, she's presented the way that life is. One parent households, that is tough, it is difficult, and she's struggling. She's happy. She's a good mom. But she needs help. And that is the, 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 the desire, the one wish of her daughter. Well, after the, the, the normal story runs its, 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 its trajectory, its arc, and, and the Grinch, you know, his heart grows back three sizes, and, and he comes back down. You know, to the to the whole town as they're singing, and and he brings all the gifts back, and he apologizes. What ends up happening is he goes back to his cave. You know, and his heart's changed, and he's he's he gives Max a little Christmas gift. But there's a knock at the door, and it's Cindy Lou who invites the Grinch to come to her house that night for Christmas supper. And the Grinch accepts the invitation, but he's struggling. You know, he's got his, his, they won't like me and they don't, you know, he's got his own compulsions, his own psychological issues, but he makes himself go. And there's a scene where he's, he's standing there, he's put on a tie and his dog Max is with him and, and he's, and he's, he's, he's wanting to press the doorbell, but he's struggling to do it. And, and he's like, oh, but they won't like me, but he forces himself to do it, you know, to move beyond his own compulsions, realizing that he needs community. He needs to accept the invitation and, and they, they open the door and he comes in and everyone is, is saying hello and he's being welcomed. And then there's this scene where Donna, uh, Cindy Lou brings the Grinch to Donna. Donna is carrying this meat and uh, the, the, the roast and the, and, the, and the cake and she's struggling to carry it all. And, and the Grinch immediately runs over and he takes both from her to take to the table. Chivalry is not dead. It's in the Grinch. And Donna, you can see it. She's thankful. Like, oh, he, he just helped me. And Cindy Lou takes the Grinch to the head of the table, sits him down. Sorry, this is a spoiler alert. Go see the movie. And the roast is there, and Donna brings the Grinch the utensils to cut the roast for Christmas dinner. And then what takes place? He, he gives this toast. He's this masculine presence in the home. And you can tell that Donna loves it. And this is exactly, this is what Cindy Lou, this was her wish. As a matter of fact, the movie closes and the, and the credits start rolling. And there's, you know, as they do with these animated movies, there's the character still doing stuff. You know what the Grinch is doing? He's doing home improvement projects around Donna and Cindy Lou's home. 
I was shocked that such a movie was made. And yet I think it's an important lesson because dads, children need you. And homes without fathers are incomplete. And this Christmas season, I just, I encourage you dads, take a role, take a lead and not just be there, but engage and engage spiritually. Do you realize that when mom comes to Christ, the rest of her family follows 17% of the time. But when a dad comes to Jesus, the rest of the family will follow 93% of the time. Statistics say that when a man encounters Jesus, his family encounters Jesus. And I want to encourage you with that. Well, you've been listening to the Outlaw Radio Show. As always, my name is Zach. I'm so glad you're listening. I want to encourage you to do two things. Please contact your local Christian radio station and, and just thank them that they're carrying this show in your community. If you have a little extra income, maybe even make a donation to that radio station. It goes a long way. Uh, secondly, visit our website, outlawradio.org. From the site, you can access our podcast. It's available on iTunes and Google Play. You can listen to this episode or all previous episodes. Check us out on Twitter at radio underscore outlaw, info at outlawradio.org, or facebook.com slash the radio outlaw. Again, I'm Zach. Hope you join me this time next week for more of the Outlaw Radio Show. You've been listening to the one and only Outlaw Radio Show with Zach Adams. As mentioned, if you like what you heard, be sure to connect with us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter or check out our website by visiting outlawradio.org. To listen again to today's show, access our daily two-minute broadcast or full-length episodes, check out the Outlaw Radio podcast, available on both iTunes and Google Play. Once again, don't forget, we want to hear from you. If you have questions, want to challenge something that was said, or would like to submit topics you'd like to hear Zach discuss on air, you can either email us at info at outlawradio.org, or you can leave a voicemail at 678-883-3316. Finally, programs like Outlaw Radio are wonderful tools God can use to change lives. But as with any ministry, there are expenses involved. First, if you're not tithing to your local church, you need to do so. And yet, if God has laid it upon your heart to extend your generosity above and beyond your tithe, we'd ask that you prayerfully consider supporting Outlaw Radio. Every donation ensures this show remains on your local station. To learn how you can become a financial partner, please visit outlawradio.org. Well, that's all the time we have for today. We hope you join us again next week for the Outlaw Radio Show with Zach Adams. Outlaw Radio is a ministry of Calvary 316 in partnership with his productions.